This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Weaver. Stay in tune with your equine athlete in the Synergy by Weaver Close Contact Steam Pressed Performance Pad. Offering a better feel between horse and rider with 100% merino wool and a butterfly cutaway design, Synergy by Weaver invites you to put it to the test with our no-risk 90-day test drive. Welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Jillian introducing our guest, Lisa Gentilly, who is a horsemanship trainer who specializes with problem horses and colt starting, along with the ranch versatility. She's developed her natural horsemanship methods by becoming a Ken McNabb Master Certified Trainer, and she's worked with him quite a bit, um, and along with a few other um, ventures throughout her career. So before I give everything about her away, um, let's get started. Thank you so much for being here, Lisa. Um, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. It's, um, definitely an honor. I'm super blessed to be here. Um, I'm a full-time trainer. Um, I'm back living in Massachusetts. I was in Wyoming on and off for a very long time with Ken McNabb and his family, um, they're like a second family to me. So I was training out there for him, traveling and teaching, and now have kind of moved home and uh, doing about the same throughout Massachusetts. Um, so I am primarily doing training horses, um, all different types. It just kind of depends. But this year mostly has been a lot of starting colts out um, and then working with, since everybody's just a tad closer than Wyoming, I the opportunity to travel farm to farm so i i travel a bunch um working with clients and their horses um and kind of building a very specialized and individual program for them that they can work on and we kind of visit you know sometimes once a week sometimes one to two weeks um as well as having horses in for training so the games kind of changed for me a little bit moving from wyoming to here but it's been really fun because i feel like i've been able to help so much you know so many more people on a daily basis versus than just like a three-day clinic um or a certification program so it's been really awesome um and i'm still trying to get back on board with clinics of course everybody's had a few hard year or two so you know everything's kind of changed um so but it, it's been really it's been really good um so that's kind of what I'm doing right now um and that's been really fun and just super different so so how did you get involved with horses in the first place um I actually so the shorter version is when I was younger um my parents had divorced and when my mom had met my stepdad we had moved closer to a, a farm and I just had always wanted to ride. I mean, that was like at five. And so we had driven down and Jan Pitney, who is my second mom now, who actually I'm running my business out of her place. Um, she's a 4-H leader. So that kind of led into one thing, uh, you know, of another And the 4-H groups kind of would really get sponsored through different trainers and teacher. Like, you know, we're always doing some type of clinic monthly, um, and I had met Lynn and Hody Keels, um, who are two John Lyons, uh, John Lyons certified trainers. 
So I started working with them and then they're like, we got to have you meet Ken. He's coming to Massachusetts. This is like your next step. And, you know, obviously years have gone on, you know, I was working with them and now I'm like 17, 18. And he's like, Hey, you know, you should, you should move out to Wyoming. You know what I mean? I'm like, no way. So it all kind of just, I started saving my money and going through school. And um, after high school, I had, um, I was a hairdresser actually full time. And I saved every dollar I could and then did the certification program with him. And I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this full time. Like, I really want to do the certification program. And I was already doing it full time, but without, you know, ripping off the other job. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to just stop all the way and go all in. So it's kind of how I've always want. I know a lot of people say that, but it's something I used to always say to my mom. I've always wanted to train horses and help people. And I think that's why I really enjoy doing the, the hairdressing. But it wasn't the horses. The hairdressing was paying for the horses, but it was kind of going hand in hand because it, it really did help me in the long run with the people skills and being able to communicate to different people. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of started. And then I was just like Ken McNabb lifer and was training with him and Miss Speedy for seven to eight years. It doesn't even feel like I haven't, you know, been with COVID and everything, not being out there. It's been such a long, it feels like a long time, but it's really only been about two years or so. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of got into it and it kind of took off from there. This is actually how we met you, Lisa, a couple of years ago is we were in, um, Wyoming for a Ken McNabb thing and, and you were still working for him at the time. And it was, you know, you actually ended up on the cover of our May, 2018 issue. I'm literally looking at it as we talk. Um, but that, that must've been a huge transition going from the East coast to a place like Wyoming. I just, that, that has to be such a big difference in you know not only just like the riding aspect of it but just life in general is a little different in Wyoming totally um growing up closer to the city with my dad and then you know my mom being on more of the coast area like suburb area it was it totally different I mean we still have a lot of land here in Massachusetts but going from that to Wyoming it's it's unbelievable it was definitely life-changing for me personally Never mind adapting that culture in training. And it's really, it's really molded who I've become, not just as a trainer, but as a person. Um, so, yeah, I, I think moving to Wyoming, it was just something that was on my mind, my heart. And I feel like God just totally put it all into play for me. Um, honestly, I still get teary. I mean, my heart will forever and always be in Wyoming, you know. Um, I feel like I'm able to reach and do so much more here a little bit with people but yeah just Wyoming is just unbelievable it's taught me so many different things I could talk for hours about it um and I will get back out there I really will I have a two-year-old son so I've been kind of enjoying him and teaching him the ropes but he's definitely going to get the experience sooner rather than later uh, I think everybody should because it's just it's just something else you just slow down and enjoy life and um it was just amazing getting able to be working at the same time as really having fun. Honestly, we just had a whole lot of fun. <laughs> so what kind of inspired you to go back to the East coast and kind of bring the methods that you learned in Wyoming with Ken McNabb kind of back with you? Because I feel like there's such a, a big demand for that kind of training on the East coast. Uh, I've talked to a couple of other people that live in New York and, you know, um, there's a lot of English stuff out there, but it seems like a lot of the Western writers are so thirsty for knowledge out there. So I would imagine that it's been so huge to bring back what you've learned to, to the East Coast. Yes, like 100%. It's 
I was going back and forth for a time, um, personally, not knowing what I wanted to do, having, you know, my significant other here and me there and juggling work and just kind of enjoying life on either end. Um, so I was living kind of in both places. And so when I would go home, I'd get to work all with my clients. And, and that also kind of gave me a taste for when I did finally make the decision between Derek and I to move back or not to move. So when I started coming home, everybody would be like, can you do a clinic? Can you do lessons? I need help with this horse. And this person doesn't know, you know, this, this horse is dangerous, you know, and, and there's just so many different things that were just kind of completely ruled, ruled out. And there, and there was nothing wrong with the way people were going about it, but I think people were never introduced to a different way, if that makes sense. Um, and I think going from working for Ken, having my hands on hundreds of horses, I mean, hundreds, I, I can't even begin to say how many horses I got the opportunity to ride with him just even for five minutes. So it was really interesting. I feel like to take that experience and just kind of slowly break it down for people out this way. And you're right. They are thirsty for it. They want it. Um, there's a lot of horses that are classified as dangerous or untouchable or truthfully, it just didn't have a different approach. You know, um, I think that there is a lot of people that actually do do horsemanship on the East coast. Um, I think a lot of people train for themselves, not for the public. And so that was really interesting to kind of, you know, pick through that a little bit and try to make a program. How is this going to work where realistically these people probably don't need to put all their horses in for training because they're like five minutes down the road or 10 minutes down the road. And, and they want to be involved where when we're in Wyoming, this horse gets chipped. We have them for three to five months. We don't see the owner until at the end, right? They can't just pop up at the barn and see what's going on with the horse. And, um, you know, we did a lot of on the call discussion about their horse. So it was a huge transition. But at the same time, I really, really loved the results because I got to be completely hands on with the owner and the actual rider of that horse for the rest of his life. And for me, I hadn't had that offer. I did all the training for Ken and I worked with so many people but I never really got to take it to that next level of like, I'm going to be in this person's life for a really long time in this horse's life. So that was really a lot more work, but a lot more rewarding to see these horses and owners grow together throughout the years, even after their 90 day session. So I'm um, sorry, I know that's a little bit more in depth of an answer, but it's, it's just a little bit closer of a relationship you build than just seeing this person and meeting them for three weeks in Wyoming. And then you don't really chat for years on end, you know? So, um, I've just really enjoyed that being a part of that. So, yeah, I bet that's a whole new take on, you know, the training method and everything like that. Just like you said, being able to have the rider there and working with them, that makes such a huge difference because in the end, that's who you're training the horse for. So that's, you know, a huge part of it. Um, do you think that you'll continue this, you know, going to other people's barns and things like that? Or, um, like if you, is that something you want to continue in the future or, or will you go back to, you know, how your, your old ways? <laughs> I will definitely continue this program so far. It's really been working out. I would definitely love to kind of tack on at least two to three clinics a year, um, as well as hoping I can maybe choose one or two of Ken and Didi's programs to still help out, um, and be a part of that maybe down the road. Um, whether it be a certification program or one of his five-day clinics. I just enjoy going back out to where I love and where the inspiration is and kind of bringing it back to. So um, 
honestly, I did a lot of traveling that way as well as barn to barn and then taking a handful of horses in has just really, it, it's kept me busy in a good way. So, and it keeps it interesting. I don't think I could do just traveling barn to barn um, and not take any horses in for training because I just think it's it's nice to kind of have a little bit of both. So um, I'll definitely keep it where I'm at. I just would love to introduce, hopefully now that things have settled down for everybody, put a couple clinics on the books for next year, whether they be out of state or um, at my own place. Um, before COVID, I had done a lot of private clinics um, in 2000 was it 19 like right before everything started happening um so that was really fun and that was the first year that I, I had done so many I was in New York Western Mass I went down to Georgia um primarily on the east coast but that was really cool too so if I can kind of incorporate that in next year's schedule on top of everything else I want to do I think would be <laughs> the perfect plan you mentioned that like you've worked with a lot of problem horses a lot of um you know dangerous horses which i hate to say the word dangerous because i don't think they mean to be dangerous i think they're just put in situations that cause them to be that way but what kind of like attracted you to that kind of horse and i mean it's you know we talk with a, a wide variety of people where we're talking with performance horse trainers that pick out prospects you know before they're you know even one years old and but then we also talk to people like you who who work with these problem horses that may have been pushed aside by other horse trainers or or you know people that wanted to do certain things with them what what kind of drew you to working with these kinds of horses it's such an important part of the horse industry that's such a great question um truthfully i, I for me i think it's just um the expectation that people have for these horses is just not realistic. Um, and I feel like train going through all the years of learning from amazing people and continuing to learning. Cause I'm, I just always am like a sponge is just, I would always hear like, this just isn't working out. And I'd be like, okay. And, or I would even hear Ken say it too. Like, well, how long have you had this horse? And they might say five months, which to me is like, you know, five months is a long time in a way, but not in a way. And five months of doing what? You know what I mean? And I feel like you never, you don't know a horse. And I know this is going to be, this is going to be, I'll try to shorten this one up. But you don't know where this horse has come from and how many programs this horse has had to ride or train to, right? It's might have passed through five different trainers and now I'm the sixth trainer. It's amazing to me how horses can just constantly be changing their education like that right maybe this guy Larry asked for lunging this way and now I'm asking it for this way and and this horse is expected to just jump on the train and nail it every time we don't do that right that would be like us going you know having school in here and then going to France and going to college and then going to Mexico like we would our minds would be blown and so I feel like what really drew me to these horses is trying to understand where they're coming from and knowing that the expectation that the human has isn't realistic and, and it's not fair. And I, I agree with you, Nicole, about the whole, this horse is dangerous. I think it's just that they haven't been able to get what they really wanted. Um, the desire comes from the want, right? That's what gives you that passion and that urge to really build this relationship with this horse. But I think we are just so as humans, so rushy, you know, we want it now, we want it perfect and we want to move on. And that's just not every horse. Some horses are amazing. And you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm riding this cool out on the trail, 10th ride, like it's been doing its whole life. 
then you have other horses that you're like, wow, I don't even know if I'm getting out of the round pen in a month. And you're thinking, Miss Susie may not be too happy with me when I call her. And this is the second month of training. And I'm just walk trotting this horse because it's so scared out of its mind that I can't push this horse right now. And so that's what really just keeps me up late at night because I'm always thinking of how can I do this? How can I change this? And how can I do better? And I think the biggest picture and the answer to that is just being able to have sick expectations and ultimately each goal, everybody should just try to make that horse just a touch better than when you found him that day and, and just be able to commit to the change, right? You just have to commit to the process and be able to accept that some change takes longer. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I really, really enjoy it. Um, and have just, honestly, it's been my huge passion and to be able to teach people like that. Cause I don't think people realize that you're not going to get this, you know, $3,000 horse and it's going to ride for like an $80,000 horse. You just got it. You haven't put any work or training into it and who knows where it's come from and how people have handled it, whether it be correct or not correct. So yeah, I hope that answered your question, but I could go on and on about that one. <laughs> um, I think that's such a great way to look at a horse especially ones that have been through different training programs because you know that's something that can have such a huge effect on a horse and then when they just like you said get dropped off somewhere else and then they have to be expected to know that um so when you get a new horse in your program what's the first thing that you do to kind of figure it out and like make your plan for the horse ideally I really love to like get them in a week prior to starting training um Especially lately, they've all been on the East Coast or like right in Massachusetts. So you don't have climate change and things like that and elevation. But ideally, give them a week, let them settle in. Um, I know it sounds kind of creepy, but I do like to watch them and just kind of see how they are in a herd. Um, see if they're a little bit more up on the food chain, lower on the food chain. I do think it plays into effect with their personality, but also just kind of giving them time to settle. Um, and then I start with groundwork. Um, and I will go out a handful of times that week, though I'm not training, but I will go out. I mean, you're cleaning, you're feeding and just kind of love on them and let them know like they're in a safe place. Um, I think it does make a difference, especially traveling with horses with Ken. I think it, it's good to spend that time and let them know like, Hey, we're not, I'm still here, <laughs> you know? So, um, and just give them a week to settle. That's usually my first start is I like to get those horses in a little bit ahead of time and let them just, um, uh, figure out what they'll be for the next few months. So. so you've kind of touched base on quite a bit of your riding program and, and what you look for in a horse and what you try to, to accomplish with a horse. But if you were to kind of sum up your riding philosophy into one sentence or, or a couple of sentences, uh, how would you describe that? Good question. Um, I, if I could just sum it all up in the perfect world is just being able to help horse and rider really build a special bond and relationship and be able to take that to the next level throughout their life. Keep them safe, honest, having a good time and remember why you started riding. Um, if I could kind of get the two of them to be on the same page and just have that like that life partner um, and really just keep that passion going throughout its throughout the horse's life and the owner's life. Um, ultimately, that's my job in a nutshell. Um, and then I obviously get something out of it as well. But that's my ultimate goal, no matter what the training comes down to. That's the, the pretty picture in the end. So if you could go back to, you know, when you first started 
Is there anything that you like advice that you would give yourself looking back at what you know now after all the experiences that you've had? That's probably a really hard question. I do think about it a lot. Um, I would say as a young rider, kind of going back to my ultimate goal for people is I feel like I wanted everything done kind of quickly. The expectation being younger, you know, I am, I'll be 31 this year. So I have been riding a very long time, but getting paid to ride, I was, you know, under the table, that expectation that people had on their horses was also on myself. I don't feel like I was the, my best self then because that pressure got to me. And so I do feel like, um, you know, on a lighter note, I did rush horses a little bit and I did expect a little bit more and would get often frustrated as most people do. Um, so looking back, if I could kind of tell my teenage self and just say like, Hey, slow it down a little bit. Like it's at the end of the day, the client is paying you, but the product in this horse matters the most and, and don't try to be a hero in it and just kind of meet that expectation. Cause you don't want to let somebody down because at the end of the day, it's about the horse. You know what I mean? Um, if the horse isn't going to ride up to par, it's just not going to happen. Um, and so if I, I think about it all the time and you still get those moments where, yeah, you sit up late at night and you're like, okay, is this for all my clients laughing at me? They're like, you don't ever go to bed. Do you, um, you know, is my horse where it should be? Are they going to be happy when they come and see this, you know, lesson and watch me ride him the next day. And it, it does get to you, but I'm a, a lot better about coping with it now where back then that's what I would tell myself, just slow down. Every horse is different. And if it's not going to happen and they don't like that, it's taking longer, you're going to cut ties and just kind of stick to, to what you believe in and your core values and unfortunately move on, you know, do whatever it takes to not have that happen, but don't change yourself for them because the horse ends up taking the brunt of it at the end. So you talked a little bit about, I mean, just now about horses as individuals and, and trying to understand each horse as who they are. Um, is there a horse that really just changed your life when it came to, to riding and maybe just your personal philosophy? Like, was there one standout horse that was really like where everything kind of clicked and you were like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You mean as my career or like my training moment there? In general, I mean, if, yeah, if you had a horse that like when you were 14, that really taught you how to, you know, be patient and work with those horses or, or if it was, you know, one that you've had in training that where it was like a really bad situation and you were able to connect with them and, you know, was there one that really kind of changed your life when it came to being a rider or, you know, just a horse person? Yeah, actually, um, one that really stands out to me as our childhood was um, one of our horses named Scram, who was a Morgan mix, um, super stubborn, not motivated to do anything, very lazy. Um, we went from riding a lot of up moving horses to her. So she taught me, I think that there's so many different types of horses, just not even personality, just like drive wise and motivation wise. Um, wouldn't have thought about that with a horse, right? When you're a kid, you get on, you go, and they better go, right? <laughs> right? And that's just how it goes. But from a training standpoint, when you're really trying to build certain levels of your horsemanship and training, whether it's on the ground, in the saddle, that matters. And so she really taught me that different levels of horses and how just how they're born, you know, and what kind of personality they have on that aspect. 
Um, one horse that will always and forever stick out to me. Um, his name was Aldine. He went into Ken McNabb's sale. He was a Palomino horse and such a nice horse to ride. But saddling and anything on the ground was just, it would blow his mind. I mean, pulling back, rearing, he struck out a couple of times. Now, granted, th these horses are in our programs for a very long time. So when I tell you this, this horse did eventually go through our sale. We did hold him back a year. He made tremendous progress. So I just want to side note, obviously they don't go in, they don't, we're very strict with the horses that go into our sale. I mean, they make one false move the day before they're out. No if, ands, or buts. It could be the smallest thing. If they can't handle the pressure of the sale, they, they get pulled, um, which is sad, but it's, you know, we have to do the best for our product. Um, so this horse, yeah, really struggled with, just everything any touching sensation um and it really taught me to kind of slow down and just realize how tedious of a task it was and that really hit home for me when it came to being able to teach our trainers as well as my personal clients now being back on the east coast about the time it takes and being able to really ask yourself are you ready to do what it takes and are you ready to get on board with this process because this horse, when I tell you, I mean, I sacked him out to everything under the sun, um, saddling him. He still would have a huge watermelon under his back. And I knew in that moment he, he wouldn't buck with me. I would just act like it wasn't even there and hop on him. But it took me a very long time to it to be like that and to not be anxious around him because he was so anxious. He was that type of horse that would make you second guess yourself. And it took me a lot to... In that year, I really was like, I have to train myself to emotionally disconnect from them. And I know a lot of people say that, right? It takes a lot of my, your mind is a muscle. You got to work it every day. And I always have to be able to take the emotions out of it and just stick to what I know, keep my head down and just take the time it takes. And for that horse, man, every day, like if I had a bad day, I, I wouldn't ride him or work with him because he was that sensitive. Um, so that was super eye-opening to me. I mean, one of the most sensitive horses I've ever met. Now he probably had a little bit of a rough past or somebody skipped a few steps along the way, but he was so sensitive that it made him like that. Um, at the end of the day, he went through the sale, um, of course I ever rode. Um, and he actually had a slight little injury the day before I go through after all these years of working my tail off for him. But there was a guy that watched me ride him. And I got my journeyman on this horse actually through Ken and he came up to me and said, can I buy him after the sale? I love this horse. And I believe they still have him. Um, he's in Colorado. So, uh, so that, yeah. And I told every, I mean, I, I talked to this guy for hours. I felt terrible. I'm like, can I buy you a cup of coffee tomorrow? I'll tell you everything I know, but he was amazed and he, he enjoys them and rode, rode him who he was and not try to make him anything different. Obviously did not allow any nonsense because that's just not acceptable but wasn't hard on him, took the time it took and just understood he needed a little bit more time. And um, so that was a huge game changer for, for me in my career is being able to really remember you, you, ha you have to take, your, take care of your mind because they, they know what you're doing and they know what you're all about and some more than others. So yeah, that was, uh, that was a highlight for me. So obviously Ken McNabb has been a huge part of your career and in influencing you and I'm sure you could talk for hours about that, but could you just tell us a little bit about your experience with him and just that, that whole part of your life and how it kind of brought you to where you are? Yes. Um, 
So yeah, Ken and Miss Dee Dee have been such a blessing. I mean, they're like my second family. Um, it's been it's it's been a wonderful, crazy ride. Um, I started training for him very young. A few of us interned and stayed on board. Um, we lived in Level, Wyoming. There um, before that, we were in Grable and got to travel quite quite a bit. So. Yeah, long story short, we always were traveling. We were traveling all over. Um, some of us girls and guys would go on different tours for different expos and clinics. And then some of us had ranch duties and training within that, as well as client horses coming in, plus our sale horses. So every day was a different day, as well as taking care of all our animals too, and just ranch in general. So it was just, it was amazing to me. I think what I learned the most with Ken, I mean, you're going to learn. So you just talk to him. He's like, I always call him. He's like the walking encyclopedia. And you, I always laugh or like a dictionary. Like he really is, but you always learn so much from him. Um, but I think what I took away the most is how I utilize my horses and being able to really take a horse. Like I had just chatted with a moment about and just ride him and spend hours on him, go in a fix a fence or move cows or check cows, go out by yourself and, all that quiet time, but long time on a horse really, really, truly molds them into a solid, honest horse. And then on a side, so that is what I really took from being on the ranch. And I mean, my heart is, I just love it so much. I mean, anybody always says you're, you're probably living in the wrong state. I know I am. <laughs> my heart is always and forever in Wyoming. And they definitely have been a huge part of that and have grown that passion and love for it. But, you know, then working for Ken, I think I didn't realize how much I enjoyed teaching until kind of growing through my older teenager years into my twenties with him and traveling and doing clinics and um, working the expo and getting to talk from so many people all over and answering questions and situations and, and doing demos and being able to be such of an amazing experience, sharing all this education with people all over and being able to connect, not even just on horses, you'd be you know, it's crazy how small the world is. Um, but that truly for all of us, I think, um, I know there's a couple Ken McNabb certified trainers that are also sponsored by Weaver Leather. I think that's also just been a huge part of the makeup for us is um, getting that, not worldwide, but you know, that huge range of experience and kind of getting even stepping out of Wyoming. I mean, going from Massachusetts to Wyoming was huge for me, but living out of a suitcase more times than not was just so awesome. I just craved it. Um, and I was very lucky. I did stay with Ken a little bit longer than some trainers. Um, and being, I traveled all the time with him and I just loved it. I just loved, I think my biggest thing is the three week certification programs because you truly get to be a part of people's lives through that change whether they, they figure out, am I going to train or am I just going to ride and that passion and which way it's going to go. And so that's really, really cool to see these people just pour their heart in the time that they take off their lives to come with us and spend three weeks. That, that was one of my biggest highlights. And my favorite thing is working for Ken is the three week certification program. So yes, I could go on and on and on, but Miss CD and Ken McNabb have been amazing for me and my family. So I will forever be grateful for them. And hopefully I'll be out next year. Hopefully this is all settled and my young son will be working Colts for him next. <laughs> so, um, Can you go into a little more detail and what the certification 
process is? I mean, you're obviously a Ken McNabb uh, certified trainer, but can you kind of break down like what it is that you're expected to do and, and what are the steps to become a certified trainer? Yeah, so we have three um, three different spots that you're going to be riding for. So when I say riding for it, so if you're this is your first time, you're going to be signing up as an apprenticeship. That is the first beginning of the program. Then it goes journeyman, then masters. Um, journeyman and masters sometimes do take a time or two. Uh, Ken is one of the very few trainers that I know that will actually, if you don't pass a few items within your masters that if he goes to a certain state and you've been working on it at home, you can trailer in and, and test for it. I don't know anybody in the country that does that. Um, and so he he's really awesome about that and making it work for people because he truly, he has the passion and wants all these people to, it's a, you know, it's a lot of investment, but he really wants you to get it at the end. Um, so we start with your apprenticeship and so what's required with your apprenticeship you learn our lunging exercises round penning um, we start working on some basic exercise just the fundamentals of training you know softening or stop shoulder work um, just some lateral and um, lateral work in that area and just kind of breaking down the horse in three different parts you know the shoulders rib cage and hind end and building exercises off of that that is a lot within your three weeks, but we have a ton of exercises that kind of get smushed into that. Um, some people that have done a few clinics with us may in their apprenticeship have the opportunity to start a cult or begin the process of starting a cult. Um, that is required in your journeyman. Granted, you learn all these exercises, of course, to kind of get through that. Um, ideally, if people can do the summer and fall program, it's great because you can kind of just jump right into your journeyman. Um, but I know like myself at the time didn't have the money for that. So that's when I started working for Ken. Um, so that's your next step is your journeyman. And so then you do a lot more advanced exercises within the saddle. Um, I know that you need to lope a haunches in you know, with the, the hips leading as well as start your colt. You need to be able to walk, trot, lope this colt in and out of the round pen and take it for its first trail ride. Um, sounds easy, but you got three weeks to do it. Um, and again, there comes that pressure, right? There comes all that pressure and um, that I think just a side note, I think is really where you see people if they really want it or they don't and, and how well they're going to do with it. Because, of course, everybody wants to start their cult, you know, and get it done. But we kind of handpick the cults and you don't always get it kind of easy breezy old soul. Right. Um, so that's really huge. But again, if you kneel a couple pieces, he you know, with a cult, it's different. You might have to restart a little bit. But um, a couple things he takes into consideration, of course. Um, that, hey, they did really good and check that off the list. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of exercises that go within your journeyman. Um, and then your masters, you need to do a sliding stop, a very fluid spin left to right, um, being, you know, one-handed, um, and you need to lope a side pass, um, you know, leading to the left and to the right um, is what's involved in your masters. The thing with Ken is we have horses that, are going through our sale that we allow used in our certification programs not all of them are already at that level so it's really really cool but a little stressful you get some of these horses that are just softening at the bit of the canner got a good decent stop on and maybe they'll side pass and that's where you're at this horse is not even out of a snaffle yet you know it's just 
it's a good ranch horse solid and it has everything you need to get the job done. And now you got three weeks to do it. So it's cool because it's real, it's real life. And you get to take these horses. And um, like I said, Ken isn't going to rush his horse and he wants the best for his horse at the end of the day. But it's really interesting to watch these, our students um, work through this and hit those walls and not hit those walls, walls and have those small victories throughout the program. So like I said, your master's is so much pressure. I mean, I, I think, I think everybody at least falls off at once during the program because you just get so nervous and you want it so bad that you just start. It's almost like you forget how to put your shoes on, like the little things that we're always, you know, trying to make it fun, but it's a lot of pressure and um, people want it, you know, and you really, when you get to that master level, um, you see who's really cut out for it and who has the passion. Cause I think that it's just a lot of information and um, a lot of things to do within a short amount of time. Um, so like I said, Ken's wonderful. Like if say myself, I had to, you know, get a few things and I started working for him. I didn't get a free pass. I still had to get a horse up to par and pass a few things working for him. It actually took me over a year to get my master's working under him because every time I did get a good horse, they were, <laughs> I get them, they were going in the sale or we private sold them. And so it did take me a little bit to get there. Um, but he is wonderful about that. And I think that that's, I can't find anybody like that. They want you to go through a whole nother program, you know? So we've had a lot of people come in past our masters at different clinics along the way throughout the year, which is really fun to see how much work they put in at home too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it breaks down in the different levels. Sometimes people will skip, like I said, from their apprenticeship journeyman, especially if we built a training relationship with them, um, you know, in the first week, if they can show us a few different exercises and they really are nailing it. He's awesome about that. He's like, all right, second week, you're going to pick a colt out. Let's see where you go from here. So um, that's been fun, a lot of fun. So that's kind of how it breaks down for his um, program. I would imagine that it is very nerve-wracking to be able to take a colt and in three weeks be riding in and outside of the round pen and trail riding. And because, like, I, I broke many of performance horses. Um, in fact, I have a yearling right now that I'm breaking out, you know, next year. And but I've never been told, okay, you have three weeks to have them loping in the arena in the, in the round pen and going out on a trail ride nonetheless or, or ranch, you know, going out on the ranch. Like, what was that experience like? Because I can't really, you know, think of a lot of people who are put in that kind of scenario. Yeah, it, it is. It is a lot of pressure in, in I'm so blessed. I feel like to be a part of it. And like, I just love our certification programs. Like you guys are asking all the right questions today. Um, I, like I said, going back to what you asked me before, I would sit down with everybody. Granted, this is not my three week clinic, but Ken would leave me out there sometimes with like five people. And I'm like sweating. Cause I'm seeing all these people getting on colts, and I'm like, all right, all right. Like, you know, I, I'm going to make mistakes too, as well as Ken, everyone's human, but I'm like, you know, one of them's got their spurs on where you're not putting spurs on for that cult. Like it's just, you start to, I always tell everybody, slow down, like forget the time frame and just read your horse and take the time because you're here, you're showing up. They're the ones that matter, not the certification. And I, I would always say that and take five, take five, you know? And so, I, yeah, it is a ton of pressure, but you would be amazed because you learn this different mentality. Like you might need this horse to go check on cows. You might need this horse to, like I was up on the mountain doing mountain pack trips. 
And I had a couple horses that just got injured because they were, you know, roaming free. And I remember one year I just had two colts. It was like me and one other girl up there and we just had colts to ride. And you, you do start to kind of get in your own head and you're like, are they ready for this? But your mind and your expectation changes for them. And so I think when people start to realize like, okay, this horse is capable of this. I'm not going to rush it, but it can be done and just slow down and take each day by day. I think people are amazed with the amount of trust that, trust that's built within that horse and rider and how once you're trotting, I mean, those suckers trot so fast, you're almost loping. Like you, it's, it's that mentality that you just think the word lope, right? Everybody's just so scared of the word lope, but you realize that you're trotting so fast that when you actually lope, it's slower than trotting. And so just trying to really be a part of that and have people just laugh, just breathe, laugh, sing, whatever you got to do. Um, it's honestly kind of, I call it my comedy act cult starting because when you're having fun, that's when the magic happens. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. You see people really kind of hit their breaking point. Um, and to be able to be there hoping that I'm helping, not, not annoying anybody by any means, but to be a part of that experience is wicked cool. And, and I've, I've experienced it firsthand, you know, um, being on some horses, especially at the expos with all that pressure with all those people. So I totally get the pressure. So yeah, it's, it's quite the experience. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I mean, that sounds like just such a great experience for everyone involved, the the horse, you, the people that are in the clinic. It's that's um, I just love the whole concept of everything. And um, so you've kind of talked about the different how you learn exercises or you teach exercises. What are some of the ones that like if you could walk us through a couple maybe that you think are the most beneficial or that our listeners would, you know, like to hear about? Um, I think the biggest one that we touch on throughout every single, like your apprenticeship, your journeyman in your masters is getting this horse to soften to the bridle. Um, whether it be off of one reins, two reins, because that is going to be kind of the, the root of all your exercises. So being able to get this horse to ride soft, moving forward, backwards within your side pass, your shoulder work, your turnaround. And so really it's something that is simple in the beginning, but it truly is the answer to a lot, right? That forward movement and that horse really just collecting and respecting that building off that pressure um, and keeping that softness and willingness to, to work through these different exercises as they get more involved. And so I think the biggest thing that I teach, um, I teach softness so much, especially being one-on-one -on -one with people lately this past year, um, is really getting them to understand the concept of it. Because it, it, it's easy to say, it's so much harder to do, because it's your timing, your balance, your feel. Um, and then a lot, you're like, what am I feeling, right? Because not every horse is soft. And so they might really give to that pressure like a nanosecond, and you got to be able to release. Um, I think that's the biggest piece, and I know Ken would probably agree going into more of our in-depth exercises because it also teaches the rider how important that release is. That is your horse's payday. They don't have a reason to show up, you know, and so being able to ask a horse something, they get that release. Well, it does start somewhat in the bridle you're using your body and your leg position to get this horse to ride forward and you're asking them to respond when you pick up on that rein um but being able to teach of course our riders you know off of just one rein now off of two now we're going to implement moving just one body part like the rib cage like the shoulders the hips 
and breaking that into very small, easygoing exercises before we take it to the next level and add speed to it. And so I think that one is probably it. I feel like I do it with my eyes. Like it's just, that's every horse that they have to have that before they move forward in the saddle anyways, in the saddle. Um, and I want my horse to be willing in wanting to soften, right? I don't want to just hold them there because as you add speed, you realize that doesn't work, you know, and your horse isn't happy. And so again, it, that's a big one, I think for our trainers and riders and realizing how does this horse show up every day and want to be motivated to do this? Well, it's a release, you know? So that is, that is definitely tails into a lot of what I do and as well as we do in our three week certification program. It sounds like such an extensive program and such a, I mean, such a great way to get such a, you know, large, expansive horse knowledge where you're just working in so many different areas and, you know, you're doing ranch work and you're having to use your horses for very functional purposes, but then you also are, you know, doing these sales and doing these clinics and, and going to these expos. And I mean, it just sounds like there's something different to do every day when you were, when you were doing what you were doing in Wyoming. Yes. Every, every day you would wake up thinking you knew what you were doing and it would totally change. And it's funny too, because it was such a part of my life and I still like, it doesn't even feel like like two years or so has passed by, you know, obviously Travis has been another adventure of my own and I'm very blessed, but I'm, I crave being out there. So I'm, I'm super psyched to like jump on a couple of clinics or so, because like I said, it is such an intense program and I just love it because it really, I'm learning too, you know, or when I'm teaching, it's such a responsibility. Um, and I'm honored that Ken trusts me that much because there was moments where I would just be working with them for half a day on an exercise. Um, and so I do want to get back to that. Um, it's been a lot more pressure actually I didn't think that would be possible, but being by myself, um, not having somebody else to be like, Hey, watch this horse real quick for me or watch this owner. I can't, this rider, I can't quite pinpoint what they're doing wrong in that moment. And so that's been really interesting kind of flopping from our certification program. Cause now I feel like the three week program, I thought that was intense, but now I'm building like these life changing, like years of a program and people constantly, what, so what's next? What are we doing next? You know? And so that's been really interesting. And um, Derek, my boyfriend will laugh because he's like, you have like these little plans for people. How do you keep it all straight? But you don't, you just watch people where they're at and then you kind of go from there. And so I'm so thankful for the opportunities I constantly have with Didi and Ken because it's really built me up to now, like these people are relying on me. Like I said, like they're not just seeing me for three weeks and going home they're in my backyard, you know? And so, um, that's been a lot of pressure, but a little nicer because you can take it down a little bit slower, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, well, I, we've been chatting away for an hour and I'm sure that we could keep talking all day because I, I just love listening to you talk because you can tell that you are so passionate about what you're doing. And and there's a true love for the horse, which I always appreciate when I get to talk to people that have that feeling, you know, where they just, they get excited talking about horses and, and what they can do with them and for them. And um, before we leave though, can you um, tell us where our listeners can find out more about you, follow you on maybe some social media? 
Yes, um, I am on Facebook. If you just go to Lisa Gentile Horsemanship, that's my page. And that is also um, the link to my Instagram is right on there. Um, I don't have a website, but I have my number and email. I have a lot of people reach out through Instagram, a lot of messages and stuff. Um, and honestly, I meet up like this on my cell phone. Sometimes I do Zoom chats with people too, if they have questions. Try to go live. This month's been a little hard for me just with it being so hot and just trying to wrap up some training horses and enjoy the summer. But I'll definitely be on there a little bit more with some live chats and topics. So they can definitely check me out there. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Like it's, it really, it really means a lot. So this has been fun because I could chat all day too. You could <laughs> definitely keep me on here for a long time. Well, maybe we'll have to uh, do a part two here in the, in the coming months or something and, and pick up where we left off. But thank you again. Um, it was amazing chatting with you and I'm so happy that you could come on the, show, the podcast with us. Thanks again to Weaver for sponsoring this episode of The Ride.